Hey there, welcome to the Pine Island Experience Podcast. I'm Joanna Anderson with my husband, Trigby. Each of our episodes will be conversations with fellow Pine Islanders. The goal of our podcast is to share with you our experiences, what we have found to be fun, and what makes the Pine Island Experience so unique. My dad teaching me the way, you know, you learn how to wash dishes first. You know, if you can mop the floor and wash dishes, then maybe you can cook. So, you know, by the time I was, I don't know, 15, 16, I would say, I mean, I was cooking on the line, you know, with uh, with the guys and stuff like that. Lunch times on the weekends, um, whenever I could get in there, just something that I love to do. You just heard from Chef Reed Freeman, the owner of the new restaurant, Street Eats and Ale, located in the center at 5508 Avenue A, Boquilia. Chef Reed is a Florida native who grew up in our island area. When you listen to him, you'll hear his passion for cooking and love of easy style, great food, and ice cold beers. After Hurricane Ian, Reed brought his menu to Pine Island. His new restaurant fulfills his dream of being in an old Florida and keeping it simple. And now here's Reed. Well, welcome, Reed. Thank you for joining us on the Pine Island Pro- Podcast. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Good. Um, after Hurricane Ian destroyed the restaurant, you quickly set up a food truck. And then you purchased the building that was up El Pollo Rico. And Street Eats and Ale is now open, which you accomplished in under two months. Congratulations. Thank we you have- very much. We have dined in your new place a couple of times, and it's an excellent experience. Can you tell us what it was like growing up in the area? It was uh, it was a lot slower, <laughs> a lot <laughs> less people. But, um, you know, it's a beautiful place. The beaches, you know, the water, the fishing, things like that. Nature is, uh, I mean, becomes second nature, you know, just something that, you know, you just fall in love with. Um, I left for a couple of years and then of course Florida just calls you right back, you know, um, just the experience of being able to go fishing, you know, just walk around in the mud flats, you know, the nature preserves, you know, it was just, it was awesome. You know, you take it for granted, you know, because you, you, as being here, you meet people from different parts of the, you know, the country and it's, they don't have stuff like that, you know, and, People run to go see the sunset every night. And I'm like, I've seen that my whole life. I don't understand it. You know, dolphins and manatees. I see them all the time. It's just, it's something that we just grew up with. And it's like, why do these people go? But it's something that our, the beauty of Florida has that other places don't have. We've actually experienced that a little bit. Uh, We enjoy cruising. And if you do a Caribbean cruise, most of the excursions are about going to a beach. And we're like, why would we go to a beach? You oh, get yeah. spoiled very quickly. To your point, oh. you see it every day. You experience. If we want to go to a beach, we can go to a beach. It, you don't have to do something special. Yep. Most people from Florida vacation in the mountains. People from the mountains, rural areas, vacation to the beaches. We run from the beaches. Well, at least I know I do. <laughs> you know, people ever say, hey, you want to go vacation Panama City? Nope. No. I'm good. Take yeah. me up to Blue Ridge? Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's like us. Now, 
Your dad bought a restaurant when you were 11 years old. I was reading about you and you helped him when you were 11. And uh, what was that like? What, what did you do when you worked in the, the family's restaurant? Oh, besides getting yelled at for being in the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, just just fun things. Shucking oysters, peeling shrimp, just, uh, you know, learning how to cut fish. Um, back in the day, it was uh, smoking oyster was way smaller than it than it sits right now. I mean, it was literally a screened-in porch was the kitchen, Weber grills, uh, Walmart box freezers. I mean... And it's just grown over the years, but it's just fun, man. You know, just eventually learning how to cook, you know, you know, my dad teaching me the way, you know, you learn how to wash dishes first. You know, if you can mop the floor and wash dishes, then maybe you can cook. So, you know, by the time I was, I don't know, 15, 16, I would say, I mean, I was cooking on the line, you know, with, uh, with the guys and stuff like that. Lunch times on the weekends. Um, whenever I could get in there, just something that I love to do. Always be around restaurants. Ever since I was even younger than that, my my mother worked at the original Snug Harbor, and I was, you know, six, seven years old, you know, running around in the kitchen then. So just something, the awe of the kitchen has always, always been something I've wanted. And you went uh, to the captains and... Uh laid their grouper for them, right? When you were young? Did I read that? Oh, yeah. No, and we, the getaway marina and stuff like that, you know, uh, one of my friend's dad, Captain Howard, was was the captain there, and I would go and uh, pretty much his first mate and stuff like that for free, but I would go and fillet the fish, you know, for all the people coming off the boat and stuff like that. So it was just fun. It was kind of like a little, little thing I would go do. Mm -hmm. And you ran down to the shrimp dock. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's a beautiful site down there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the shrimp docks was fun. You know, they uh, running around there fishing all the docks as a kid, you know, running around with a fishing rod, you know, catching snook and tarpon, getting chased off the docks, you know, so. And then at the restaurant, you you, man, you ended up managing the kitchen, right? For oh, a yeah. while. And then you, then you took over the restaurant. Yeah, yeah, for for the most part, you know, we, uh, I mean, I went off to La Cordon Bleu, graduated culinary school, um, bounced around kitchens for a little bit, kind of like, uh, not to say I thought I was going to La Cordon Bleu, I didn't want to cook bar food anymore, so I was like, oh, I want something better, so I cooked at the fine dining restaurants and uh, went off, worked at the Cowboys Stadium. And Dallas, eventually, like the prodigal son, make make yourself home, you know, make your way back home. And when I came back, though, I had the knowledge of uh, five-star ingredients, fine ingredients. And listening to chefs always tell me, don't cut the quality of ingredients. Don't just serve a bunch of quantity. Just don't serve a bunch of crap on the plate. So I was able to come back to the restaurant, you know with my dad and we worked on things and pretty much started changing things and, you know, getting, uh, I mean, we've always done fresh golf, golf seafood and things like that. But one point we were bringing in fresh scallops from new Bedford, Maine. I mean, it was, uh, everything was, was top notch, you know, and that's, uh, 
the day before the storm, that's the way it was. Every bit of our ingredients was top notch. Something that you would get at a fine dining restaurant at a casual dining restaurant price experience. I mean, our steak, I always, because there's always the people that go to seafood places, and there's that one that doesn't want seafood. They want a steak. But you always go to the place and you get a steak, and it's it's junk, it's leather. So our our strip, well, we didn't do it New York strip. I did by the butcher block, so I did it by the market, whether it be a sirloin, a ribeye, a filet, whatever it could be. But I would do a lot of the ribeyes and the fillets that were coming off the same line of meat that was for Ruth Chris's um, prime cuts of meat. And I was serving that for our steak and people just loved it. That's the things that we did is I never cut quality, you know, ingredients. I would pay the extra money, not as make as much money as other places did, but you're putting out a better product. And that's why the SOB had lines out the door, you know, from our the people that work there, the servers, everybody loved them. They've been there for years, you know, the cooks. Just, we did it right. So if we can uh, go back to Cordon Bleu, so somebody who obviously loves Florida, born and raised in Florida, that had to be a culture shock, for lack of a better word. So what does it go like from like kind of smaller, slower, uh, always good weather Florida into another country uh, and uh, you know, just that whole experience about going through school and, and such a different, not, not that it wasn't a great education, but I mean, just the oh, so yeah. very, very different from what you were used to. It was different. Uh, fortunately, I didn't have to go to another country. Uh, they had Le Cordon Bleu in two locations, Paris and in Orlando. So I was able to go to Orlando, <laughs> uh, Orlando Culinary Academy, Le Cordon Bleu. So, uh, okay. That was, uh, that was their offspring. Yeah. I wouldn't have, uh, I don't know what I would have done if I had to go out there. I mean, I was thinking about going to uh, Rhode Island, Johnson & Wales. Mm -hmm. That's a really accredited school. Culinary Institute of America, New York. But I've seen snow. Never seen snow in my life. Didn't really want to freeze. <laughs> so when, you know, my dad and my mom, we were all talking about it. And they're like, well, there's LaCorde on Blue in Orlando. <laughs> Sign me up. I can stay in the sunshine. So I went up to Orlando for two and a half years. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Because okay. I was thinking, you know, language barrier, currency, but uh, zone differences to stay in touch with family and friends and so forth. So I didn't know there's an Orlando location, but yep. then how convenient. Yep. Good. Yeah, no, they pulled out. Lacorn on Blues, they, uh, they're no longer in America. Okay. Yep. They, uh, they only do Paris. So out of that time there, um, if you could pick two or three things that still are with you. I mean, obviously they taught you a bunch of skills, but like maybe you know, lessons about food and, and restaurants and how to cook it and keep people happy kinds of stuff that, you know, you look back now and you say, yeah, that's something that they ingrained in me. Oh, yeah. The uh, Le Cordon Bleu was, was an amazing school. I wish I would have probably put more effort towards it when I was there, um, uh, really in baking. Um, didn't never care for baking. Mm -hmm. I was always short order line cook, you know, give me a saute pan fire a knife and I'm good to go so but learning how to take everything from its natural form and to cut into a primal cut of meat meat fabrication uh, was one class that really stuck out to me I mean in one day we cut cooked 
and eight, like $9,000 worth of play. And that's, they do that day after day. I mean, it's big, it's big school. I mean, there was a hundred and hundred and something kids in my class. By the end of it, there was only like 30 that graduated. But so the people were there and uh, just the different ingredients, uh, beluga, you know, the fermented duck egg, uh, crazy ingredients. Uh, they had truffle mush, you know, the black and the white truffles and lock boxes, uh, just stuff that I've never even handled since I've been in, since I've left school, mm-hmm. you know, it's just things that you never see, but they would, at the end of your, your time, you would do three months in the restaurant. They had a restaurant in the school and you did everything from hostess to, to janitorial and you worked every single position in the entire restaurant until you made it to the executive chef. And then after that, then you were the GM. But, you know, it's it was amazing. I mean, and the uh, the teachers, you know, the chefs there were, were top-notch. I mean, it was, it was rough. I mean, there literally it is. And this was, you know, kind of when Food Network was just kind of coming out mm-hmm. to, to TV and, the chefs scream at you. I mean, they really do. I mean, it was no joke there. I mean, they they didn't like your food. They threw the whole plate right in the garbage, told you you suck, go back and make it again. You know, they didn't say suck, though. But, uh, <laughs> you know, so. Something in French, maybe? Yes. You know, but yeah, we had Philippine chefs, French chefs, German chefs, uh, you name it. I mean, it was just. Garmanger, you know, I'll never do Garmanger in my life again, but I had to learn how to do it. You know, it was pretty, it was fun. What an experience. Oh, yeah. All the different regions. Great. Well, tell us about you and Natasha. Um, how and when did you meet? How long have you mar- been married? What was it like working together in the food truck? Oh, yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What doesn't break you makes you stronger, right? <laughs> but uh, no, it was, uh, we've been together for going on six years, been married going on three years, um, known each other for a while, but she does hair for a living. She's a hairstylist and, but she worked the restaurants, you know, before she ever did, uh, did hair. She was one of the managers of the old Sanibel Grill back in the day. Um, so she's always had the hospitality industry in her. Um, but getting the food truck was was something something different. You know, she would uh she'd come out on nights that we needed the third person to work the window and she would work the window. Um while me and Jason, uh my kitchen manager, he would he'd cook with me. Um and then when it was just me and Jason Jason read the window and I'd cook, you know, I deal better with cooking, not people. So (laughs) that's why I've always stayed in the back of the house. Now they got me bartending here. I don't know how that's going, but we'll see. Is that better than, uh, no, 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 I'd much rather be in the back. back. Oh yeah. yeah. I just, I mean, I look at the, you know, right now we're obviously serving out of the food truck while the kitchen's being remodeled, but I just stare out the window like a little lost puppy. Like I just want to go cook. Like, just leave me alone. Just let me go cook, you know. But 
did did Natasha enjoy it? I mean, she knew it was was temporary, right? But did she enjoy her time? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure she loved it. Um, Probably didn't like working with me much. Uh, You know, I'm pretty demanding in the kitchen. So, you know, you better get the food out and you better get it going fast. (laughs) We got to feed these people. We got to feed more people. So that's kind of something you learned at Cordon Blue that you've kept with you as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fast. It was, it's a race, you know. I mean, it's a constant race. I mean, you see a ticket, you see an order. I mean, you grab that as fast as you can, you start cooking. I mean, it's, things have changed in the years, you know. Uh, it's a lot, a lot slower, you know, slower pace. And I just, I can't come to, come to grips to that, you know, and. I mean, the guys that cook with me and stuff, they all, they're all with me. I mean, it's, you know, it's kind of fun, a battle. Hey, how fast can we get this ticket out? Bam, four <laughs> minutes, you know, two burgers and fresh fries. Bam, gone. You can't go to most fast food restaurants and they're not going to be able to do that. These are fresh cooked patties, <laughs> right? You know. Well, people but, are impressed with that too. You're turning it around. Oh yeah. No, people like, people like the fast and the convenience of it. Um, you know, of course, there's hiccups and everything. Something, something's always going to happen. Probably going to say this today and we'll lose the ticket and have a 10-minute ticket time. No, <laughs> that's just Murphy's Law. But So talk a little bit about the, um, I think, in previous conversations that you've talked about wanting to have a business on Pine Island. Kind of what was the attraction and the draw? And, um, you know, and uh, we asked from a perspective of, we didn't know about it until somebody introduced the island. I mean, we didn't have the benefit of growing up in Southwest Florida, and we still tell people we live on Pine Island. They're like, "Well, where is that?" So, uh, although you had the advantage of growing up here, the the kind of the attraction and the goal to eventually have a business on the island at some point, oh, yeah. point in time. Oh yeah, no, just the the laid back. I mean, always coming out here and fishing, you know, um, with friends. You know, my dad, something like that, or us going out to the waterfront years ago. Um, just something always drawed me to, to this Island, just the laid back, more, uh, rural feeling. And I mean, obviously, you know, tourism is money, but at, at what extent, I mean, it's, uh, it gets tiring after a while when you just get in, when you get hammered all day, you know, for weeks at a time, you know, it's great, but, um, at the same time, it wears yourself down. It wears your employees down. Here, it's, you know, just laid back. You know, it's, I mean, of course, it's busy when tourism comes and things like that, but it's fine. You know, it's just kind of just, I closed on Monday, you know, never been able to do that in years. You know, go fishing in the morning, come here, check the coolers, do all my, my office stuff, and go home and eat dinner, you know. Can't find, can't think of a better opportunity, right. you know. And how long, kind of from the first idea of getting a business on Pine Island to the fruition of establishing uh, Streeties, about how long did that process take? When I, you mean when I decided I was going to come out here? Yes, yes. Oh, it took two days. Oh, two days. Yeah, I literally, I talked to, uh, to Mike. So I'm in a... a lease agreement with a purchase to buy um obviously business everything goes well um you know we'll definitely go through with it i just wanted to see how this concept would work out here and got a really good 
good feedback so far, you know, so I think I'm in it for, I know I'm in it for the long haul. But yeah, when I ran into Mike and uh, he had told me about the building, you know, that he had closed closed his restaurant, he was going to lease it out or sell it. And talked to him one Saturday and I think on Monday I came out, looked at the building with him and didn't flood, no damage. Buildings from 1952, it survived everything. You know, I think uh, I think it's winner, winner, chicken dinner. So I just, I, I said, okay, let's go. And so from mid-February to mid-April, I was building out the bars and building the tables and cleaning everything, you know, repositioning, plumbing things, and just getting it ready, you know, threw everything I had at it. You know, my house still, you know. Granted, you know, I'm in Fort Myers, so got a roof over my head, but there's crap that got destroyed and it's just, it's just sitting there right now because <laughs> I threw every, this is, this is me. This is, this is what I do is restaurants. And, uh, I couldn't let this opportunity pass. I had to, I had to go. And how'd you come up with the name? Food trucks, you know, um, the vers uh, versatility of fusion kinds of food. Uh, my first job out of culinary school was at Roy's when Roy's was Roy's. Um, when master chef Roy Yamaguchi was still a part of it, it was, it was Roy's. We were getting fresh fish delivered from Honolulu page field, go pick it up, bring it. Um, the Asian Hawaiian influenced food, uh, the fusion style food just has always been at the, you know, everything I want, everything I did, a lot of it was some kind of fusion. So with Street Eats, being able to do the fusion food, because you kind of throw in different things, the smash burgers, the Cubans, do some different tacos, peanut butter and jelly chicken wings, like boa buns, smoked pork belly, just off the wall things, you know, but still focusing on the fresh Gulf seafood here and things like that. And also me closing my kitchen down on Sunday, bringing in food trucks. So to where I'm basically just like a brewery, I serve drinks and AC, you know, for people to come to another food truck, a different flair of food and uh, be able to enjoy it. Come sit inside, eat their food, drink inside, have a good time. What, um, any other, like, obviously that I would assume that concept gives you the ability to have flexibility in the menu, but do you have any short-term or intermediate plans about any kind of expansion or you're staying with that, with what you're doing with right now? I mean, you said you're getting good feedback. Oh yeah. Um, so are you said, you know, it seems like you'd be a person that, you know, you're satisfied, but you know, you're always driving for more and oh, yeah. kinds of things. Oh yeah, no, I uh, I get too big in my own head really fast, and then I gotta taper myself back and tell myself I only have seventy seats in here. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a shoebox for a kitchen. The food truck's a bigger kitchen than what's inside this restaurant. And that's an eighteen foot kitchen. That's only thirteen feet in there. So, wow. okay, you know, I want to go big, but I'm as in food wise, but I'm. You want to taper it back. Right. 
um, okay. to to what I know we can do here at a good good value, good quality, and being able to get people in and out if they want to go fast. Mm-hmm. But also, if they want to sit in here and drink beer and bull crap and eat a couple appetizers and eat a smash burger, that's what we're here for too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everything is going to be geared towards self-service, old barbecue shacks, you know, the old school uh, lazy to where you go up to the service bar, you know, everything's going to be on trays, um, the, the paper boats like you would get at, you know, at a street, at a street vendor okay. and where everything's throwaway, plastic, silverware. When I do the bar steak, when I bring on, when I bring inside the kitchen, I'll have a bar steak. Um, I'll give you a good knife with that, but, uh, you know, plastic fork and a knife, you know, just keeping it simple. You know, my whole thing on this is low overhead, mm-hmm. um, easier concept. The guys, girls that work with us, you know, it's endless opportunities. I mean, it could, it could work really well. We got to work hard. You know, we have to work hard for the day, but at the end of the day, you know, we do a good job. It's going to show, you know, everybody's going to be able to make some good money. Uh, that's really just my concept to it. It's easier, lower overhead, you know, being able to pass on the savings of lower overhead to the prices on the menu, you know, my happy hour prices, three to six o'clock daily, taking a dollar off domestics, imports, and wine. You get a draft of domestic beer for two bucks. Can't go anywhere unless you're a member of the Moose and the VFW, you know, right. which 99% of the people are out here, but, <laughs> um, so it's just the value. You know, I wanted that little neighborhood bar. Somebody can come in, just feel like they're at home. So maybe you'll have people start yelling norm. Oh, uh, cheers. Or something. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is got a small community. Oh yeah, it is. Do you get much time off running a restaurant, particularly getting one going kind of the stage you're in now? No, I didn't think so. No, you sleep when you die. You know, it's, uh, being a chef, you're married, you know, even being a, a restaurant guy. And this is, I give full credit to my father. Um, my dad missed a lot of things while I was growing up, baseball, football, because he was at the restaurant seven days a week. It's all we had. If you don't have a restaurant, he can't put food on the table. He couldn't keep the roof over his head. And he, you know, sacrificed. And as I got older, I didn't understand it. I wanted days off. I wanted the weekends off, like my buddies that worked the nine to five jobs. And something clicked somewhere around 30 years old. My dad said I'd get smarter at 30. Can never believe him. But uh, <laughs> it clicked. And I realized, I was like, this is an everyday job. If you want to be successful in the restaurant, you have to be here every day until you get a, a crew around you that you can depend on. They're loyal and you know that they're treating it as their own. And you're not here. That takes time. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm fortunate. Tara and Jason, they've worked with me for six years. You know, God forbid, you know, if anything ever happened, I know I could step away even right now being over in month, month open and they would treat it as their own. 
Um, and so, no, I mean, even though I'm closed on Monday, I'm here for six hours, quarters, steam mopping the floor, bathrooms, uh, food orders, getting with fish purveyors, clear water, uh, beer, you know, you name it. So I'm here usually from 8.30 in the morning till 10 o'clock at night, you know, 11 o'clock on the weekends. But it's something I've always done. It's As a chef, you don't have weekends off. You don't get holidays. There's none of that stuff. Yeah, I think that's something that the average person doesn't think about. For instance, like we just sit at home and maybe say, hey, let's go out to dinner. Well, that means somebody's got to be there and have done all that prep work that you're talking about. Then they've got to have the staff there to cook and serve. And then somebody's got to clean up after we walk out of the building. So, you know, as much as um, you enjoy going to restaurants, I think it's a it's interesting insight to find out that there's so much more than just sitting down at the table and ordering what you care to eat or drink. There's all the glitz and glamour that sitting on the other side of the bar, it looks great. Mm-hmm. I say, my dad said it forever. I'd have the best job in the world if it wasn't for employees and customers because um, <laughs> they can make and break your day. But everybody just sits across the bar and they see that register open a hundred times throughout the day. They just think you're making money hand over fist. And they don't look in, they don't realize what really goes on to keep a restaurant going, to open every single day. They just don't, they don't realize. And I, you know, people that have pensions, firefight, you know, firemen and police, they, they think it's a great idea. Let's go open a neighborhood bar. They're back to work, you know, Walmart greeter, you know, because they, you lose your, your ass quick. <laughs> you know, you can I know at one point in time, I think it was the number one failing small business in America. Well, yeah. um, somebody cooks at home and somebody says, oh, that's a really great food. Yeah. I enjoyed how you cook that. It's much different when what you do for your family versus what you have to do for the general public. Oh, yeah. Uh, completely different. Ball. And plus, there's no real health codes when you're cooking at the house. <laughs> no. no, you don't got to pay for general liability. You don't got to pay for food insurance. You don't got to pay for test service and everything else that goes into it. I mean, the overhead on a day of a restaurant will shock most people. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, there's no way. Yeah. Or the payroll, you know, payroll. I mean, it's it's unreal. So, you know, thanks for voting for raising the minimum wage. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I, but it goes back to what you spoke about earlier. It talks about the, really, I think, the passion and the drive that you have to have. And I mean, as much as you were teasing, you know, you just want to be back cooking for people. I mean, that's, that's your satisfaction. And those are, I guess, necessary evils in order to achieve that. You have to love it. You either have to love kitchens or you have to love the bar. But unfortunately, if you love the bar more than the kitchens, you might drink away your profits. But, um, (laughs) you know, you have to know how to cook. And you said it, somebody thinks they, they make a good, good dish at home like oh people love this and then your aunt uncle everybody tells you you should open a place they would love this (laughs) yeah there goes susan you know bankrupt you know three years later i mean it's uh it's tough yeah now i always i tell people all the time don't do it don't open a restaurant if you've never done it if you've not been in the food industry for years 
do not do it. I mean, it is, it's not a good gamble. <laughs> it's, yeah. But we've had multiple pleasant experiences and we're trying to do some advertising on the street for you, but uh, you. it's what's doing, what you're doing right now is working yep. um, and, you know, continued success on it. You know, on uh, Sundays, you're helping out other food truck celebrities. That's fantastic. And maybe that's a good way to see if they want to go to a restaurant someday, too. I don't I don't know if that's true, but you supply the power for them. Oh, yeah. You know, you, you su supply this facility, you know, yeah. when people come in for drinks and eat here, that's wonderful. Yeah. How has that been working out for so you far, on so Sundays? Good. Yeah. No, it's, uh, they've been busy. So, and the community's very, uh, very friendly. They come out, you know, they, I think they just enjoy the diversity. That's something that's different. So it's worked out really well. The guys, the guys and the girls that come in the trucks are extremely, extremely thankful. You know, is there a variety of trucks or do the same people kind of come every Sunday? Or how's every, that I rotate it right rotate now. It. Okay. Yep. Rotate every Sunday, you know, and then uh, I'll get to a schedule eventually, you know, and get things going. Is there a Facebook page or oh, yeah. these people are interested about what food trucks may or may not be here on a given Sunday? So we post the, the schedule every week, SEA.Bokelia for, uh, for our Facebook. So every twice a week we post their menu when they're coming, things like that. Excellent. And you have one truck on a Sunday, yep. not two. Okay. Just one right now. Just one. Yeah. We'll see how it goes for season. You know. <laughs> yeah, you might. Yeah. They might end up needing two. So that's, that's very nice of you to do that. Yep. Been busy. I bet it has. That's fabulous. You can provide yep. that. So want to talk about, I think we should talk about the menu. Um your seafood. You, you talked about the smash burger. That is that your favorite? Dessert? Oh, yeah. I mean, I can eat burgers, you know, twice a day. But, I mean, we do a really good blend. I mean, it's pretty much a steak burger cooked in its own fat. You can't get better than that. <laughs> um, but all our grouper, golf domestic, shrimp, golf tanks. Um, the garlic or garlic. Oh, yeah, spicy shrimp. garlic that's, shrimp. That's a good one. Yep. Very, very good. That's, uh, you know, for the old old SOB crowd that remembers the garlic Dungeness crab, you know, spicy crab sauce. It's, it's pretty much the same sauce, just tossed on peel and eat shrimp, you know, more of like a uh, Hawaiian style food truck where they do the spicy garlic shrimp out there over Jasmine rice. Mm -hmm. So similar mm -hmm. concept. And your smoked uh, fish dip. Oh, yeah. oh, that is amazing. You brought right. that here. Yeah. That's oh, amazing. Yeah, good smoked ahi tuna. Can't go wrong with that. And we talked about your hours and, and, and you know, you're open Day Tuesdays through Sunday. through Sunday. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. And what hours on Tuesdays through Sunday? Or so Tuesday through Thursday, we're open from 11 to 9. The kitchen closes an hour before. So 8 o'clock on the kitchen. Friday and Saturday, we're open 11 to 10. Kitchen closes at 9. For the food truck Sunday, we're open 12 to 6. Oh, that's good to know. Close on Monday. Fishing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you go when fishing you're on the Monday. Book checking the coolers. Yeah, that's after. I go early. I fish. Oh, okay. I fish early, and then I'm here in the afternoon and check on so everything. So you fish out here? Or oh yeah. Oh yeah. You do. Oh, fish yeah. Okay. You bring it back here and cook it? No, I usually. You know what? Actually, I catch and release everything. I don't okay. keep any of the fish. Okay. Our water has gotten beaten up too bad yes. for for me to go out there and and cook a fish. I, you know, no, I'm not gonna. 
just something conservation for me. I know I'm not doing much, but <laughs> yeah, every little bit helps, right? Yeah. I guess we're starting up a restaurant like vacation, travel, hobbies. Those are pretty much uh, no, not existing here, and they don't exist right now. No, no, they're Someday. gone. Someday, um, you know, in September when it gets uh, real ghost town. I mean, even on the beach, we would close for two to three weeks, uh, mm-hmm. whether it be remodeling. But we always uh, big deep clean, pull all the kitchen equipment out. You know, pull every gas orifice and everything out, just clean and sanitize everything. Uh, you know, this September I might <clears throat> probably going to close for a couple days, and you know, haven't figured out when. Uh, but like next September is when I'll close for 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 a couple weeks in September. So give myself some, give us some time off, and yeah. uh, you know, so I'm working hard for about a year, you know, eighteen months, right. and then uh. And take a little break. Maybe you know? go to a ball game. Oh what yeah, are you talking about. I'll sneak away if I can. Yeah, you know, I'm actually going up to Blue Ridge to build a build a fly rod with uh, Bill Oyster. So that's in September 2024. That's how far he books out years in wow. advance. So this has been wonderful. Thank, well, thank you. you guys for having me. Yeah, appreciate Molson, it. You're very very easy to talk to. Very interesting person. Sometimes just don't find me in the kitchen when we're busy. Well, yeah, yeah. 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 If he's behind the bar, come talk to then, me. Then I'll talk to you. Leave him alone. Yeah, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> yep. No, I uh, I enjoy it. You know, I'm I've always had the gift of gab. I, you know, even as a kid, you know, my dad and you, know, you just talk to anybody. So I love I love being behind the bar. But of course, my my true passion is is spatula and fire. You know, and and a piece of protein. <laughs> That's what I, they don't talk back, you know, it's easier. <laughs> they don't shake the glass at you. So, they'd... Well, maybe they'll let you back there sometime. Someday. We'll see. I don't know. Jason's <laughs> got to go in tight ship right now. Yeah. So he might not let me back in. <laughs> well, thanks so much. You got a great thing going and continued success. Appreciate it. Yep. That's the goal. We'll be here. We hope you enjoyed our Pine Island Experience podcast. If you have any ideas for us, people to interview, or any comments, please feel free to email them to us at pineislandexperience at gmail.com. That's pineislandexperience, all one word, at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us, and you may subscribe to this podcast using all the major catchers like Apple iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening, and remember, island life is a constant vacation. We'll see you on the next podcast.